This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. We are living in a time where our future is uncertain, which means youth voice is as important as ever. Kia ora. Join me, Leo, on Operation Rakatahi on ORFM's Youth Zone, 105.4 FM, 1575 AM or online at oar.org.nz or download the app on Google Play or the Apple App Store. Kia ora and welcome to Operation Rakatahi with Leo. So, this week I've got, we're, we're on episode 73 and it's quite a weird number that kind of just sprung upon me where I just realised how long I've been doing this show. Like, yeah. But, uh, on to the topics. Um, I've got two topics again today. I've been, I've been, if you guys haven't noticed, over the last few shows I've been messing around with the format a little bit. Sometimes I've done, I've kind of started doing two different topics per show because I feel like it balances it out. And um, when I haven't got guests in um, and we can't have guests at level two during the restrictions we have at the moment, I've been messing around with the format in order to utilise that and make sure, yeah, so, and trying to try out different things, and I've been finding, I've been quite enjoying this double topic um, discussion that I have with you guys on the air. So, but this week's double topic episode will include, uh, are we talking about the Ethiopian civil war and looming famine that is happening right now which is quite scary to think about because only it was only in 2019 their current prime minister who's just been re-elected for a second term um, won the Nobel Peace Prize for restoring um, for mitigating and bringing an end to uh, international disputes with um, neighbouring countries and in the eyes of uh, the Nobel Committee um, bringing peace to Ethiopia, but it's only been and now only two years later. It's the same premiership that is plunging Ethiopia back into a civil war. So um, there's a lot to talk about, and yeah. So and also um, after the song break later in the episode, I'll be talking about what giant tech companies are doing with our data. And, um, yeah, this is a big deal because um, it's been on my mind for quite a while ever since I watched um, The Dilemma, The Dilemma, whatever, there's a, there's a documentary on Netflix called something about, called Dilemma something, it'll come back to me, I'll, I'll be able to find out in the song break and be able to tell you later, but, um, in that documentary, it kind of, it, it wasn't stuff that I didn't know, but it was kind of packaging it all together in a bit of a scary way. And I was like, been thinking about it quite a lot. Like, there's a lot of data sharing and almost with the terms and conditions, tricking us all into consent of the of the sharing of the information because it's embedded deep into these terms and conditions that they have. But then if you don't accept terms and conditions, you can't use the service. So, and you can't really mitigate that. So, um, yeah, there's a lot to talk about there that I'll be getting into, but 
first off i'm gonna play a song and first up i've got something off the music kiwi music cd and i'll start with i lost it um grace and sam fran i'm a liar okay I miss you in the morning, sometimes in the night Sleeping in your t-shirt, keeping all the lights on Oh my god, I can't stop thinking about you moving on with someone Oh my god, I'm at a loss, thinking about you And I'm a liar, saying that I'm fine, sleeping in your shirt you're still mine And I'm a liar, say it to your face I don't think about you every day Say it's fine I'm a liar It's alright I'm a liar But I'm a liar, saying that I'm fine Sleeping in your shirt like you're still mine Do you maybe should have thought it through? Now I'm hanging around hoping you'll come by. Oh my god, I can't stop thinking about you moving on with someone. Oh my god, I'm at a loss thinking about you. And I'm a liar saying that I'm fine, sleeping in your shirt like you're still mine. And I'm a liar saying to your face, I don't think about you every day. Say it's fine, I'm a liar It's alright, I'm a liar But I'm a liar, saying that I'm fine Sleeping in your shirt like you're still mine
Kia ora and welcome back to Operation Rakatahi with Leo. So, um, um, we're going to be talking about the Ethiopian civil war and famine. Um, pretty much, what is happening with Ethiopia? And but well, before I get into that, actually, um, as I keep saying, um, I think it's really important to keep talking about what's going on in the world and accept that we're in a quite a privileged part of the world and we don't have um crazy chaotic times that we live in yes it may be crazy and chaotic on our standards but we don't have to worry for our lives every day yeah maybe there's a there is the occasional immunocompromised person who um is worried about the virus getting out and but at the same time it's we're not worried about being bombed on every two seconds or um not we don't have we're not worried about millions of people starving to death we're not worrying about flooding left right and center and um and at the same extent as lots of countries around the world so it's really important that we talk about what is going out on in the world and realize we're in actually a quite a privileged position and we've got in terms of world issues we've got quite small things that we can focus on yes that's not to say that new zealand doesn't have crazy stuff and bad stuff happening on our shores here but it's just to realize in in terms of the world and rankings of a quality of life we're in quite a privileged position and it's important that we should discuss what's going out on in the world because actually it's crazy times and we should be able to think and look out yeah so um so what is going on in ethiopia is quite tragic and um in terms of they had been in 2019 only two years ago were in probably the best shape they've been as a nation in decades and they'd come out of political like two decades three decades worth of political turmoil post their massive famine in the 1980s and political and and they went through many a civil war in that time and it was when the current prime minister rose to, um rose to his premiership in 2018 and he he won the nobel peace prize for his efforts and he managed to end decades long civil war he managed to regroup the com- country to have um trust in democracy again and have more of a unified approach and had reported almost they were on the mend and they were up and coming and that was late 2018 and 2019 all those efforts were made to turn the country around and they did so but it didn't last very much longer and as COVID-19 has scuppered things all over the world that's only a one of a many things that's happened in the last 18 months that have turned Ethiopia upside down again and it was looking like they were on the rise up and up and coming and developing and 
moving away from their tragic past, but they've already just gone straight back to the 80s. And it's not a great time to be living over there. And there was a nice sweet spot that was two years, and it's sad that they've lost that again because there was a lot of efforts made. But the really tragic thing is, is that same Prime Minister that turned everything around in 2018 and 2019 is the same Prime Minister who's plunged them back into civil war. And it's become uh, newsworthy again because they've just they've just had their parliamentary election this last week in the middle of a civil war and there's a lot and he has just been re-elected for another five-year term which is not a what people had wanted even though and because of the contradictions he was posing from talking about moving Ethiopia away from civil war and famine and actually did do that but then also plunged it back in when it got so hard and I get into how he plunged it back in and he's not innocent and it's not just COVID-19 and a whole list of things he made some decisions in there that weren't great in my opinion that that contributed to it so and with this last election that's happened, there's been contentious things going on around it, around was it actually democratic and was it fair to hold an election? There were calls to delay it because they're in the middle of a civil war and they have been having reports of flooding and they've been facing trouble with COVID-19 and the country is starting to begin its in the beginning stages of a famine Many people are starving. Many are malnutrition and malnourished. And those cases that they're reporting around hunger is only rising. And so it's quite a, almost a travesty that they held the election at all because the country it wasn't isn't in the right state to head out to the polls. And... Um, there's lots of, it's almost made it an aristocratic activity to go vote. Like, it's only the people that are well off, who are unaffected, who have gone to vote. And the result has reflected that with Abiy Ahmed being re-elected for another term. So, it's really chaotic. And, yeah, so, I'm going to get into what's been going on. But... The problem is, they've also, with all of the stuff that I've mentioned, they've also got climate change being a massive effect that's going on with higher frequent and stronger cyclones that are that are flooding through the nation. And it's just when people are already malnourished and hungry, food security is becoming more and more of a contentious thing because... You've also got the problem of shelter with the food security and no one, and there's lots, it's hard to explain on the sheer scale of what is going on because it's just, and there's declining um, employment rates all over the show. So, yeah, so I'm going to take, to give some context, 
Ethiopia, as I mentioned before, Ethiopia went through a massive famine that 2021 is looking like the beginning stages of a 2.0 of what is go- what happened in the 80s, where they've rep- there's an estimated total of over a million people dying in the, that famine in the 80s in Ethiopia due to malnutrition. And the problem is people are not happy because that's living memory for lots of people. Like, and then almost the majority of the population remembers that time. So no one wants to go back there. So it's almost made this, It's you, you would often, it's made a civil war happen almost in the blink of an eye with everything that has gone on because part of why it's happened so quickly is because no one wants to go back. and But then there's almost, it feels like they are because people want to fight for what they had for two years between 2018 and 2019 because it was a long effort to get there and it's just gone away from them. But what has happened is the the civil war was declared back in November of 2020 when the harvest this the the um the harvest season began and um there was after lots of decision making around the pandemic and lots of the flooding and cyclones that happened not many people were happy with some of the decisions that um, Prime Minister Abiy Hamid has made around all of these things. And Tigray, which is one of the regions in uh, Ethiopia, they had there was a People's Liberation Front movement, the TPLF, formed together as almost a... It would read as a militia, but it's... From how they operate, it, it is kind of a militia, if we're going to be honest, it is a liberation, but it's also a militia. So it's a bit of a gray area, I would say, between militia and a liberation protest movement. Uh, and it's been moving through the country doing attacks on um, government army camps in Tigray and... The pro this this the 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 TPLF used to dominate as a party like as a political it used to be a, this formed out of a political party and that was doing really well in elections for years and years and what has happened is the prime minister Abiy Hamid sent in many troops to topple the TPLF and. It looked like he had done towards the end of last year, back in November. But what's happened over the last year or so, they've regrouped and they've slowly invaded into neighbouring regions such as Amarai and Afar. And they're continuing these bombing raids and it's looking like everywhere they go, the TPLF is succeeding and which is why the UN has labelled it a civil war. It was only declared this year officially by the UN 
back in March as a civil war, but they've decreed that it started in November last year. So it's quite a chaotic time and lots of death, lots of bloodshed. And it's uh, chaotic. And so the TPLF has been occupying large regions and and occupying and also causing political and chaotic troubles with Eritrea, which... Ethiopia, which is a neighbouring country in Africa with with Ethiopia. And they've only just, in 2018, one of the reasons what made Abiy Hamid so popular is he was able to amend all of the problems with Eritrea. And they became soft allies. And what has happened is there's been disputes and... No one knows what's exactly behind the deal with Eritrea and not there's lots of discontent towards Eritrea and Ethiopia and the TPLF has started causing political turmoil and trying to invade Eritrea. So, you know... And the plan is to establish a strategic corridor into Djibouti, uh, another neighbouring country, in order to create power over the government and have a levity and also be able to, almost as a... It's just an advantage point that they want to take hold of in towards this... uh, Yeah towards the civil war so if I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring up some statistics what is happening over 400,000 people are declared that they know of are in famine and are potentially going to lose their life and which is quite tragic and so <laughs> And there are currently 5.2 million people living in Tigray who they feel like are at risk of moving into that category within the next few years. So, you know, it's quite a scary thing to think about. And and they've declared 90% of the population in Tigray in poverty. So it's not a great statistic. And... It feels like nobody's talking about it, but they're not receiving humanitarian aid from overseas countries because Prime Minister Abi Hamid is almost in the good books with the rest of the world after his um, 2019 Nobel Peace Prize win, and which he it was controversial because he well, it was controversial here in New Zealand because um, Prime Minister our Prime Minister nearly won it, Jacinda Ardern, so. Yeah, but he, back then, it was believed across the world that he deserved it. And at that time of what it looked like, he did. And I'm fine to say that. And, but it's his actions in the last 18 months in the face of the pandemic, in the face of 
the flooding in the face of the cyclones that have swept through and also diminishing um, quality of life now that in one of their regions 90% of their population is in poverty with already 400,000 in famine and malnourished and 5.2 million at risk of being so which is quite and this and the 5.2 million at risk is out of 6 million people so there's 900,000 people that they think are going to be fine which is probably aristocratic wealthy people so which is probably the groups of people that went out to vote in this recent election so yeah so and this is just in Tigray not the whole of Ethiopia they haven't got statistics because that's the region that most of it is most of the civil war is based in so he just took office uh two days ago for his, under his re-election and he's taken oath which has created lots of it's almost considered a tragedy because it was a landslide victory and it was 410 of the 436 parliamentary seats his party won, the Prosperity Party. So it's quite a, um interesting and a developing story. And like when I talk about the when the media reports on these sorts of things, I feel like it's been intensified with this. The only time I can get proper information out of this sort of thing is through Al Jazeera or I have to dig for other things because the Ethiopian Prime Minister is in the good leagues across the world and so it's almost like it's been ignored and because he's well favoured on the world stage and it's even weird seeing the UN has been very cautious about their language talking about Ethiopia because there have been countries in the past they have not been scared about labelling as such and as with horrific labels like atrocities, a word like that. Um, they've been very cautious and very particular and it's almost a travesty that Ethiopia is going back to the 80s, like I said before. And so the world is not even turning an eye to Ethiopia, which is a big problem. Yeah, so I think that's all I wanted to talk about for that. But I do encourage you to look more into it. And I think Al Jazeera is a really good place to look and uh, to find out more about what's going on. So look more into it. Yeah. So I'm going to go to a song break and we'll, I will be playing... I will be playing, I don't know what I'm playing, I'm going to play something, oh, Molly and the Chromatics, Mad People.
Global Youth NZ on ORFM's Youth Zone. Hi, I'm Jaden. I'm Lily. And I'm Jayushka. Join us every Thursday afternoon as we explore the variety of cultures that call Dunedin home. Through interviews, conversation and music, we'll expand your knowledge of the world and expose you to new ideas from a youth perspective. That's Global Youth NZ, 4pm Thursdays on ORFM Dunedin. Podcasts available from the Youth Zone app, yznz.app. And welcome back to Operation Rakatahi with Leo. So, 
If you just join me now, I was talking before the break. I was talking about the Ethiopian civil war and the famine that is going on, and all the chaos that's ensued about that. So, if you did just join me now, uh, when the show is finished, just go to the Houston app and go listen back to the podcast because you'll be able to find out what I was talking about. But right now, um, I'll be talking about what giant tech companies are doing with our data. So. When I said in the intro introduction, I was trying to struggle to remember what the name was, but in that song break, I searched up what that name was, and it was The Social Dilemma. So that was a documentary that I watched maybe last year, and it gave me, it kind of shocked me. Like, it was, like I knew bits and pieces, but it kind of condensed it all and was like a presentation about what was going on, and it quite actually shocked me, and it was, yeah, so... I would recommend go watching that. It's on Netflix. It's just a 90-minute documentary, like, and you'll probably be shocked. And what I'm saying is, there's, I'm not with this show, I'm not going to be talking about, oh, you shouldn't use Facebook, you shouldn't use Instagram. I'm not saying any of that crap. Um, I'm actually talking about what is actually going on and just so you're in the know. Like when I was talking about Ivali last week, it was talking about, about the thing, not about my stance on it. Uh, so, this is going to be almost a discussion about what they do. I am someone who does use social media, knowing what is going on. So, I don't know what exactly that means, but I am comfortable enough to use social media, even though I have major problems with it. So, it's all a bit confusing and, yeah. So, I'm just going to be talking about what these big companies do. So, one of the big problems is all of these apps ask for your permission to track your location in their terms and conditions. Now, which is kind of what you would think, but... It can already it can track you even if you haven't got your GPS sitting on on your phone. So it almost makes me think that our GPS systems are actually pointless. The option to on and off them because actually not all of these companies can track them anyway, without it being on or off. So it seems really honestly, I think it's random that Google asks for you to turn on your GPS to find out for it to show you on Google Maps where you are, like. It can already do that. So if Google wanted to, they could sneakily add something into their terms and conditions and then open up your phone. As soon as you open up Google Maps, it will tell you where you are. They don't need you to turn on your phone, but they've just made a system making you to turn on your GPS setting on your phone so then you can see yourself on their maps. But actually they don't need to because the technology is out that they don't have to. As... I will talk about Facebook and Twitter, for examples, because there's the most information about those two of all. And if I talk about Facebook or Instagram, it probably goes for the same for both of them and WhatsApp as well, because they're all owned by Facebook. So they've all got very similar terms and conditions about their usage. So if I talk about Facebook, it's talking about both of them as well. So, yeah. So the thing is, Facebook collects our location-related information um, and 
it tracks you through your IP addresses and it knows where you've checked in, what you've attended, where and what. So they don't need your GPS essentially. So they just use your IP address and they go ping. It's wherever you ping off the cell phone towers and stuff, all that technical information that I'm not going to get into. I'm talking about the problem itself. But um, so the fact that they can do that is quite remarkable. And I'm not meaning remarkable in the good sense. Uh, Well, yeah. (laughs) And in Twitter's terms and conditions, in their terms and conditions, it requires information about our current locations which it sends which it gets it gets it the same way facebook does but facebook just collects it twitter requires people to get your information so it's from what i take from that twitter a bit more direct about what they're doing but no one who reads their terms and conditions like so we don't really know what we're signing up for essentially if we don't read it but actually at the same time we use it because it's kind of become an essential service for people to connect with each other because even on apps that you wouldn't think are social media gmail is still a social media yes it's used for letter writing more so but it does collect data so you know but the problem is there is that uh we don't when we agree to our terms and conditions to these companies we sign up and if you choose that you don't agree with it they don't let you sign up and you're locked out pretty much you can't do anything about it and it's almost tough luck so and there's the problem with data sharing where once they get all this information, uh, Facebook, Twitter, the list goes on, um, they send all of our information to third-party organizations. Now, the problem is some of them will list it as, oh, yeah, you give permission for your data to be shared. Some companies don't even say that. They just share it, which is, not, I don't know, it's really sneaky. And the problem is there aren't very many laws around the technological world because it's so new. Um, and all, it's all done hush-hush, very quiet. It's almost a new operating field and it almost operates outside of um, government jurisdictions because you're able to communicate outside of government jurisdictions. So it's almost hard to know when laws happen. So even though we're in New Zealand, if we use social media, we're actually operating, depending on that social media, we're actually operating on US laws when we use our social media apps because that company is owned. If you talk about Facebook, for example, it's owned by, it's an American company. You're operating within American laws with that because not many countries uh, New Zealand included has extensive laws that go into specifics around what you can and can't do with social media. And the problem is 
New Zealand doesn't have any social media. Of the major social media companies, none of them operate in New Zealand specifically. If you wanted to make a complaint to, say, Facebook, that complaint gets sent to Singapore, which is operates for all of Asia and the Pacific. So that's millions upon millions and millions of people that you're communicating with. So even then you might be operating under when you go through problems, you're not actually going through the New Zealand legal system. You'd either be going through the Singaporean one here in New Zealand or the US one, depending on what the issue is and whose department it is, because not all of the departments are in Singapore. So it's all a bit chaotic and there's lots of weird laws, lots of weird rules because it's so new and it's out almost because it's in the cloud, it's outside it's not on the ground in person per se. So it's yes, New Zealand does have laws around what you can and can't do on social media, but they're not they're more they're not they don't go into specifics exactly. And they don't really they they more take the person accountable. They can't the New Zealand New Zealand can't realistically take the companies to account unless it completely bans that service from New Zealand entirely. So it's almost these and these companies are some of the richest companies in the world and they have they earn more money than lots of countries. I was reading something that Facebook earns the same amount per year as Poland's G- GDP per capita, uh, G- GDP, which was quite freaky and has some of the most power than many nations. So, because they operate across the world. So, it's quite freaky. And going back to laws that. I'm going to talk about a law that is specific to a specific region. The EU has a general... uh, What does it say? I wrote it down because I didn't want to forget it. Uh, The EU has the General Data Protection Regulation, the GDPR, and which came into force May 2021. And it, 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 it orders all of these high-tech companies to list the third parties in their terms and conditions that they operate with. The problem with this is, it's the EU. This is only operating on European, or in countries that are in the European Union's uh, jurisdiction. So they only set those for the terms and conditions for those countries. And yes, they have different terms and conditions depending on which country in the world you use it because it is what it is. But the problem is there's no such laws around listing third-party data sharing in terms and conditions outside of Europe, outside of the European Union to be specific because there's lots of countries in Europe, the continent, that aren't in the European Union. So, yeah. Um... But outside the European Union, no such laws around listing third-party data sharers in their agreement. So the problem is, if you send something, you don't know what's going to happen with it. And they hold all this information all over the world, and they share it, and they make a profit out of it. And that's the scary thing, the profit aspect. They're using people 
and our data and what we do. They And they also have particular things that they can do. They know where you go. They know your daily routine. They know this and how they... Facebook and Instagram have a model of targeting you and they use advertising and what posts and what things they show. So even if you're friends with someone or you follow someone on either Facebook or Instagram, uh, you don't always see all of the people you follow stuff. They show you the stuff of the people you've interacted with the most. So if you've liked someone's post several times over, they'll just keep showing you their posts. And if you have someone else that you don't like their posts very often in the past, they won't show them to you again. So if you scroll past them and not like them, they don't come through your feed again. It's a bit confusing. that It's not that straightforward though, but that was a very oversimplified explanation of it. But it's all about interactions and they use what you're interested in to create your engagement with it they try and find ways to show you stuff that interests you to keep you hooked to interact with their thing so they get data out of you which is they play into the attachment they play into all of these things to get you to participate so they get data that they can sell off to third party um corporations for a profit and which is really scary because we don't out we don't know here well everywhere outside the european union we don't know where these our data is being sent to because it's not public information they have these companies have not made it public information so it's very messy and very problematic and we don't really know what is going on and I wish I could talk about more of it, but this is a very short summary for the show. But even then, I can't really tell you because we don't know what happens to our information and who it goes to. We know that it gets sent to third parties for a profit, and that's about it. And in Europe, in the European Union, if you're in a country there, only since May of this year, we know what is going on in... They know what's going on and where their stuff is being sent to. Even then, it's still scary because it's still being sent away. It's just being more accountable. But actually, it's only if you read the terms and conditions and the fine print and the specific things that are really long <laughs> to find this out. So, but even then, I wouldn't. There are lots of things that the GD, uh, the General Data Protection Regulation, has done. This is probably one of the few good things about it. It has done lots of things that have over restricted and done some weird things to the so to the social media landscape across the world and the technological landscape which will trickle down because it will have a lot of sway but I'm not going to talk about all that because that's not the problem I'm more talking about what happens with our data so you know it's this show this me talking about this is me saying hey this is what is going on. It's not me saying, oh, you shouldn't use social media. Oh, you should use social media. This is more of a, I am someone who personally doesn't like what's going on. I still use social media. and But I completely understand why someone would choose not to for all of this reasoning. And it is reason enough. But I still use it because it's quite an important tool and you need it 
for almost everyday life. Take Gmail, for example, or any other email software. Where would you be in life without it? Because you have to pl- apply for everything online nowadays, use social media to connect with people, and everyone's on it, and that's how you connect with people. You don't just... If you don't connect with people on it, you kind of just don't see anyone unless you know where they live. So it's all a bit... Um, it's a bit of a strange time where companies are able to operate outside of laws because they are kind of outside the law. It's kind of like if someone was shot on a boat in international waters, who gets a say? It's kind of the equivalence here because it's in the cloud. It's not on land. So it's all a very confusing landscape. So, yeah. But that's all I have time for for today's show. So... If you missed the show and you just joined me now, go to the uh, Apple App Store or Google Play to download the Usone app to listen back to this podcast or previous podcasts and exclusive content from lots of different shows from the station. So, yeah. Um, It's going to be a bit ironic me saying this now, but I say it every show. Um, uh, Add me on, add the show's page on Instagram at Operation dot rangatahi yeah it's still rangatahi i haven't been able to get around i'm not going to bother doing it now that's the old show's name but for the username but it is what it is and if you want to come on the show as a guest or you have any ideas you want me to talk about on the show or you want to nominate a guest do that too but that won't be till we're at level two or it'll be over over zoom if we get guests in so um yeah so yeah, and yeah. Oh, and also, as I include in every single show, if you need support from a trained counsellor, contact 1737 so you know where to go. So, I'll see you guys. I'll, you'll hear me in two weeks' time. Yeah, so, kakiti anō. Bye. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air.